Welcome back, everyone, to 101 Questions That Church Planters Ask. I'm your host, Danny Parmalee, and today we're going to be asking the question, what might spiritual warfare look like in a church plant? And uh, to help us kind of ask some of those questions, answer some of those questions, we've got Lee Stevenson with us, who is the Executive Director of Church Planting for Converge. So Lee, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Danny, great to be with you. And uh, I uh, invited you to kind of speak to this because I've heard your story uh, a number of times, and I think that you have a really good perspective <laughs> and just some very uh, concrete things. No one wants to be the poster child no, for spiritual warfare. Being, that being on the, so. Yeah, being on the experiencing end of spiritual warfare. However, that's one thing that's great about church planting is we can kind of learn from others as they've kind of uh, have gone through that. So why don't you just uh, introduce yourself a little bit, uh, kind of what you do, and maybe even going back, and you can begin to kind of just share your story and also um, some of those very practical things that church planners should, or, or categories even that church planners should kind of look for as they're entering into this, maybe even before they've ever even stepped foot on the ground uh, to be able to kind of, uh, you know, maybe haven't even moved to the city yet. What are some things yeah. that they could be be aware of? Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And it's really is a conversation after uh, that's deep on my heart, because I think we underestimate the spiritual battle when it comes to church planting. And I did when we planted our first church. So my wife and I were both pastor's kids. Um, it uh, We've been married now 17 years. We've got three kids. Um, so my oldest is 13, nine, and then four. And, um, we planted our first church plant in Arizona and specifically it was in Mesa, which has got a huge population of Mormons. And so it was a unique place to, to plant a church, um, there. And then, uh, we moved to Orlando in 2015, um, to assume the role of kind of helping lead nationally the church planting movement with Converge. But in that process, God, um, we just couldn't get away from the local church plan as well. Uh, almost two years ago, we actually launched another church here in, in Orlando. And um, I can tell you both situations, we've fought through some massive spiritual battles and spiritual warfare has been very, very real in those, those situations. And, I, and so I don't want planters, I don't want pastors to be surprised of this conversation. Um, it... Um, the, the moment as a planter that you articulate, it's almost like the moment I say out loud, I'm going to plant a church. It's like, you better be ready because now it's coming. Um, because when you articulate that, you are literally walking into the front, the, the front lines of the spiritual battle. And it's like you're staking a flag in the ground going, I'm declaring this for Jesus. Well, you better be prepared because the the uh, enemy army is going to come after you. you. Go, oh yeah, well, not so fast, buddy. So, so that that declaration is basically like putting a big tar target on your back. Totally, basically. yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so be prepared. I say it's not something you need to be afraid of um, because you're calling, you're you're fulfilling the mission that Christ has given you. You know that. You know, I go back to Matthew 28 when he talks about that all authority in heaven and on earth are mine, and then he says, go do these things, lead people to me, baptize them, disciple them. And then he reminds us, I'm with you. Um, so it's like he gives us the authority by which we're to march with. And then he gives us our marching orders. And he says, you're not alone. Uh, and so it's like, why should we fear when we know that the God that has all authority in heaven on earth is with us? It's like we, we've got to press in and have a level of courage, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. 
Yeah. Um, now, you you often talk about some different uh, kind of categories just to be aware of. So why don't you even just kind of share those off the bat and then um, share some of your personal experience, how in each one of those areas uh, you you did that? Yeah, I, I uh, when we began to play through our story, um, I tried to begin to categorize what we wrestled through and what are, what are the similarities I see of other pastors sharing or what they're going through and other planters. I really found that there's consistency in three areas that expect to go through a financial hardship, expect to go through a leadership crisis, and then a personal crisis. And so those those three all have a way of showing up. You're going to have a financial crisis. You're going to have a leadership crisis. You're going to have some type of personal crisis. And when, and when you say financial crisis, do you mean personal or with the church? Yes. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be both and. Um, you know, it, it, uh, ours hit at the same time. Um, we went through a pre for the first time, like our financial crisis didn't hit until in our first church plant until we were about two years old. Um, we were doing great, honestly. And then we hit about the two year mark and, uh, we had to make a move because we outgrew our facility. Um, I underestimated the, what change would actually create. And we saw for the first time, a group of people leave. Because now it was like, they felt like, I don't want to make the drive. Even though it was a mile down the road, that was an excuse not to come, you know? Um, And uh, we went through our first major financial crisis as a church in that moment. And I can remember um, in that process, we were going through a major, our first financial hit personally. Um, I had been socked with some medical bills that insurance wasn't going to cover. And um, I can remember specifically to this day, the numbers, like, we had $6,000 in our church bank account and we were two weeks away from making payroll. And at that point I had three and a half people on the payroll. Um, and I'm like, we're not going to, we don't have enough money to, to cover this. Yeah. And then second of all, I had $600 in my personal bank account and that's everything. Like that's savings checking. Like I had $600 and uh, I can remember crying out to the Lord, like God, why'd you bring us to the breach of the desert? to let us dry of dehydration, like literally in Arizona. That's literally how I felt. And, um, you know, God walked us through, humbled me in some areas of my life that uh, I'm thankful for, learned a lot, but it Wait, was a very, I, very I want, real. I want to jump in there too, um, of two things. So you, you said you were moving from one facility to the next because of growth. So I'm assuming this is a rental facility school. You were in a movie theater. You you were in a movie theater. And then you have an opportunity because you are growing and you're just thinking, this is awesome. We're killing it. We're growing. And, and, and you're basing your projections off this. So now all of a sudden you move into this, you know, new facility and you have people leave and you're thinking that is the craziest thing. We're on this huge wave of momentum and now people are peeling off. And so there's this uh, kind of financial thing. You said that God taught you some things that I'm, assuming uh, that some of that was when things start going really, really well, I think it opens, this is my personal, it opens us up to a spiritual attack, even spiritual warfare. And maybe it's not spiritual warfare. Maybe it's just our own sinful nature where pride gets in there. And all of a sudden we start making decisions based off of thinking that we're pretty good. Now I'm not trying to overput words in your mouth, but um, you know, speak to that a little. I think think you have, um, you feel safe. Um, Yeah. You know, and so there is a confidence of like, hey, we're beyond sinking at this point. I think we're going to make it. Um, and 
you know, we, we did have momentum. Like we had everything that you would look at. Um, we were at two services on a Sunday morning in a movie theater and we literally couldn't get any more people in. Um, and so it was like, how are we going to do this? We can't, we were in the biggest movie theater, like the theater room that they would allow us to be in. It just wasn't, we couldn't go to three. That was impossible. Um, there was a high school a mile down the road, um, that, uh, had plenty of room and everybody knew where it was. Let's just move there. Um, and, and so I, I felt like this is a no brainer. Um, I still, to this day, don't wrestle. I think it was still the right decision, Yeah. but it, I underestimated the hardship it would create. Yeah. Um, the thing that I learned the most was, um, don't be timid in my leadership. Um, in those, those moments, I had to lead the church through that crisis, not just assume that God would bail us out of it. Okay. And that was probably the biggest lesson I learned, um, was how do you embrace the crisis and how do you lead through the crisis? And crisis can actually be a great gift to what God wants to release in the life of the church and even in you personally, if you lean into him. Um, and uh, I had to revisit some of that. And and God taught me some lessons when it came to just my own personal leadership that I'm thankful for in, in this season. So that's great. The uh, other thing that you said with spiritual warfare was actual leadership stuff. So I don't know if you have other examples where... Um, uh, and again, I think this one is so touchy. So I'd love for you to just speak to this of, of how, uh, when we think of a spiritual warfare and a person, we think of, you know, someone's going to walk into the church and they've got horns and a Marilyn Manson t-shirt, sorry, Marilyn Manson <laughs> fans and, and, and whatever, they're going to start casting spells on you. Um, is that what you mean by leadership crisis? <laughs> it, it could happen that way, but that's it, not been the way it's played out in my my world. Um, usually, they're insiders. I, I think find some of the most difficult leadership situations and leadership crises have been created by um, other Christians or pseudo Christians. So at least what I mean is they know the talk, or they're immature in what it means to walk by faith and to trust God in those processes, and they can completely derail things. Um, that you've worked really hard and they'll even question your character um, in that process. I found that most of those leadership crises do turn personal towards the main leader. Um, and so you just kind of almost have to prepare yourself for that. You know, um, I, we walked through all three crises in our first church plan at the same time. So I, I, we were walking through a, a, a financial crisis where I had medical bills piled up. One of the medical procedures I had to have done at two and a half years old into our church left me 12 weeks bedridden. I was not at the helm, um, hooked up to a machine for 12 hours a day, staring at the ceiling, watching Netflix, you know? Um, and in that process, I had $23,000 of now medical bills I had to pay that we didn't have the money for. Um, and in that time, I had an elder come after me, and I'm not even present. And he tries to persuade the elder board against me in that that time period. Um, and it was really over something absolutely ridiculous. Um, but he thought he was right. And uh, I was like, that was brutal um, in our season of walking through that. And, and I really felt like I had no control. Um, yeah. I just, I have to trust the Lord. I got to trust the other leaders around me. And all I could do is get on my knees and pray and just trust that God would guide us through that. Um, the second church plant, similarly, like um, before we even got off the ground, um, I had a major issue where I had one of the guys that we were bringing on our team as a next-gen pastor 
um, came to me two months before our grand opening, admitted to having an affair. And uh, it's like, how do you handle that? And, right. you know, like everything we vetted, like more, I vetted him more than any hire I've ever vetted a hire in my life. Um, and it was seemed golden. Um, but it snuck in and that could easily, before we even got our grand opening off the ground, could have derailed us. Um, and, and so hidden sin has a way of festering and showing up and, uh, you just need to be prepared for those. Um, so when you were in those moments, did you recognize it as spiritual warfare is kind of a two part question, you know, in the, in the midst of it, did you recognize it? And then second, how do you, I guess, discern or determine what is spiritual warfare without, you know, thinking the devil's underneath every single rock and, you know, assigning the devil or spiritual warfare to absolutely everything that happens. Yeah, I, I think the first time around in our first church plan, I didn't see it as spiritual warfare right away. Um, I think it was something in hindsight that I began as I was processing it or at the tail end of, of some of the crisis that I began to put it together. Um, second time around, I saw it a whole lot faster um, yeah. and, and knew what it was. And I really think it comes down to where Paul reminds us that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the the principalities of darkness in this world, you know? And so I had to remind myself, even when we're, I'm having conversations that are hard and people are upset and, or they're caught in sin and we've confronted that sin in a gracious truth filled way, as Christ-like as we could be. um, And they still get upset. I had to realize like my, my battle really isn't against that person there's something underlying here that's taking place that I need to be cognizant of and respectful of, but I don't need to live in fear of. Um, And you still do what is right. You still speak truth. You still walk by grace. Um, You follow the examples of of Christ in that. And you just, you have to approach it with deep prayer. Um, You know, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I, my guess is you had seasons too. Like, I mean, I remember coming down out from preaching and having a guy confront me on the the front porch where I literally thought he was going to try to deck me. Right. Um, like, like, so sometimes you, you, you see that in that moment, you're tired. You just got done preaching your third time or whatever it is. And, and things are coming at you. Um, but sometimes they're much more subtle in the way that they approach as well. Yeah. I think uh, for me, one of the things, um, especially the, the leadership area is it is really easy to, to demonize people. Um, and sometimes to be able to separate that and to know that sometimes they're being used as a tool. It's not that they are the devil yeah. incarnate yeah. in front. And sometimes it feels like that, especially if it's you have a leader or you add to that a leader and a close friend. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, this person is stabbing me in the back. Like, I just I can't believe it. Uh, but sometimes they're so even unaware of those different things and to be able to kind of slow it down, um, take a deep breath and to go to prayer. The other thing that I would say is um, to um, be proactive in spiritual warfare. And that is through prayer, inviting other people and fasting. And so maybe it is just having a little bit of that spiritual awareness, as you said, of the different things that are going on. And at the same time, having it somewhat balanced so that you're not again, assigning everything to, you know, to spiritual warfare. And then the final thing is just recognizing that sin is sin and some things yeah. are just a result of sinful things, uh, you know, that, that are happening. And we just, again, so much of it is self-leadership that we've got to put ourselves in a place where we're able to kind of sort, separate, and then to be able to lead not only ourselves through it, 
but our leaders, our launch team, and then the the congregation um, as well. Yeah, um, and I think that's why it's so important to have people that you can trust walking with you that you can just say, hey, I'm not feeling great and I need you to pray. Um, like that in itself can carry you through these seasons in remarkable ways too. Yeah. My one last little thing uh, kind of uh, as, as I you know coach church planners and stuff is to not use spiritual warfare as an excuse when you make your mistakes. So when you Amen. Over, when when you overspend on something or you treat someone poorly and they leave the church, um, that's not spiritual warfare. That's you being a, an idiot, uh, being a dumb idiot, and uh, <laughs> that's the reason. And uh, your best antidote to that is to uh, confess, repent, learn from it, and uh, and stay and, humble. And, yeah, stay humble during during that time. So. Well, Lee, thank you so much for just kind of sharing a bit of your experience. And uh, what is uh, neat is that as you navigated that, you saw uh, growth and growth upon growth and to continue to see God uh, doing that. And and uh, God is still uh, working in all of all of our churches and is, is clearly working in your ch- church plant as well, too. So thanks so much for just taking some time kind of sharing with planters. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, if you have a question about church planting, you can head over to the blog at churchplantersask.com. You can leave your question there. And until next time, keep asking those questions.